Hi guys, and welcome to the Tales of an African Princess in America. My name is Ozzy. a special guest because I know a lot of people have a very common New Year resolution and it's to stay fit, it's to stay healthy and just develop a healthy lifestyle. And so I decided to invite someone really, really knowledgeable about this to kind of give us a boost, uh, help us get ahead a little bit this year. And so today I've invited my friend Abigail Clark. She's actually a, a nutritionist and right now she's getting her PhD in uh, nutrition and so she's more than qualified to tell us all we need to know about just staying healthy in 2019. Um, welcome, Abby. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Before we go into this really interesting topic, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about you, something that will help them get to know you a little bit more. Okay, sure. So as you said, my name is Abigail Clark. I'm a registered dietitian by profession. So I have been a dietitian for the past four to five years, five years this year. And I am from Barbados. And Barbados is a small island located in the Eastern Caribbean. It's tropical, very nice. So, you know, if anybody want to take a vacation, they can go there. Yeah, so I currently now reside in the United States. I am doing a PhD in nutrition. Oh, wow. That's awesome, Abby. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast to talk about nutrition. And then I know you introduced yourself as a dietitian. Are these like similar or is it the same thing? They're similar, but the thing is, the term is actually registered dietitian or registered dietitian nutritionist. Anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. So you could have done a course in nutrition and call yourself a nutritionist because it's not a protected title, but registered dietitian is a protected title. So a registered dietitian knows about nutrition, a registered dietitian a nutritionist right. every nutritionist is not a registered dietitian right so right. a dietitian is basically somebody who would have gone through extensive training and we would have taken an exam mm. Okay, that sounds interesting. Thanks for clarifying that. (laughs) So you also said that you're from Barbados. And I feel like I need to have you come back on the podcast just to talk about how awesome your island is. And I know a lot of people. Yeah, I know a lot of people dream of going to uh, Barbados because it has like beautiful vacation spots. But hopefully we can have you come back. Yeah, and talk about that. Okay, so tell me, why did you choose to study nutrition? What motivated you to study nutrition? Well, I think by the time you hear my story, you're going to be like this even more fascinating I wanted to study nutrition or I wanted to be a dietitian from the time I was eight years old so I am from um, you know I have a strong Christian background and mm-hmm. normally in our denomination we will have evangelistic series and so for this series they had a health feature and there was this dietitian she was talking about foods using to treat various ailments and I just became like that is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life I wanted to talk about food wow Um, it's more than that now that I have been a dietitian I know that we don't only talk about food because there's a lot of misunderstanding that as all dietitians do as a dietitian I have work in the intensive care units I have work on mostly floors medical cases we see all sorts of patients so we do more than talking about food but um that was my initial attraction to the profession wow and 
then by the time I went to college, I remember doing this course called food chemistry, which is kind of like biochemistry. Mm-hmm. And we were studying carbohydrates. And it was the first time, because I had studied chemistry all the time, it was the first time that chemistry came alive. All of a sudden, you saw like, you know, different carbohydrates, why they're different. And it became dependent on the structure and those kind of things. Mm. And it was just so fascinating because this was the food on my plate. <laughs> and this was the chemistry behind it. And right. I was just like, yes. This is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Wow. So so after leaving college, I went to Jamaica to study at Northern Caribbean University. There I did a bachelor's in dietetics. And then I came to Loma Linda to do my master's in public health. That's where I met you, Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I became a registered dietitian. Hmm. And since then, I've worked in Barbados and also in Georgia. So yeah, have a little bit of experience and quite a lot in weight management also. Hmm. That's really interesting. I find that really, really interesting that just from listening to a, a lady at an evangelistic series, you made up your mind when you were eight just to go for it and you've been at it for so long. And I just have to applaud you because when I met you in grad school, you're just one of those people that you know what you want and you just go for it. So that's something I have to give to you, Abby. You're so, so focused. <laughs> Yes, indeed. You're one of my closest friends, so you know that I'm really passionate. Yeah, I do. I do know. I do know that. Okay, so let's talk about your family a little bit. On my podcast, one of the things I'm passionate about is the girl child, and the reason why I always bring this up is that I am from Nigeria, and you know we have a different kind of custom over there. Like even though the girls are important in most communities, the boys are considered more important than the girls. And so education, for instance, the boys are given an upper hand with education in most families, and um, of course, there are families that give equal opportunities to their kids, but the vast majority, it, it seems like boys are given a better opportunity at education. And so I just really want to know about how it is in Barbados. Like, do you guys have the same problems? Are boys favored over girls? Or are girls given equal opportunities as, as boys are? Well, I think it's a little different in Barbados because um, everybody has equal opportunity. Yeah. Um, our country education is a big thing in our country mm. we have had free education for a number of years and when i say free i mean the government provides education for all of its citizens that no costs very little cost to its citizens wow and this goes from primary what do we call the united states elementary and high mm-hmm. school what we call secondary school mm-hmm. and even up to the tertiary now wow um so education is compulsory for all and so you know getting an education you know getting your master's your bachelor's even your phd's important in barbados so it's mm-hmm. one of those societies that is heavily driven for education and there's there's not much difference between boys and girls that's amazing now i know why you were so driven <laughs> because you always had that backing and you always had that support you know to pursue yes. your dreams and pursue education i think that's awesome that's one more good thing for barbados <laughs> okay so let's talk about the reason we're here today So I know a lot of people, you know, they've written out their new year resolutions, their goals for 2019. And a lot of people just want to stay fit. A lot of people want to eat healthy. They want to develop a healthy lifestyle. And so that's really what we're talking about today. Is there such a thing as being or having the ideal weight for a person? Yes, there is. So in terms of determining a person's nutritional status, there are several things that we look at, what we call the assessment in um, the field of dietetics so we look at their anthropometrics which is you know their waist their height you know those kind of things mm-hmm. we look at biochemical which are their labs we look at the clinical and we look at 
dietary, which is, you know, their intake, their regular intake. And so in terms of anthropometric weight is one measurement that is used. But weight has to be taken into context with something else because otherwise it tells us nothing. Mm. Like if somebody come and tell me, I'm 200 pounds, so what? (laughs) Right. So when we talk about ideal weight, we're looking at weight in context of your height. Mm. And so, and so, there's several parameters that we use to to determine your ideal weight. Quotation marks. And one of these things is what we call the body mass index or the mm. BMI. Mm-hmm. So the ratio of your weight over your height, and the BMI is an estimate of your body fat, and it determines one's risk for your for diseases. Mm. So I want to remind you that I said estimate, right? Because it's not absolute. Mm. For instance, if a person is very muscular they're going to the gym every day you know and they're pumping weights they might get on the scale mm-hmm. and they might do the ratio between their weight and their height and they might end up being overweight mm. does that mean that they are at increased risk of diseases no because mm-hmm. they have a lot more lean body mass than body fat but for the average person with a sedentary lifestyle then the bmi becomes a great indicator so the cutoff points that i'm going to use now are for adults and when we say adults we're talking about persons over the age of 18 if we're talking about children we use a totally different we have to incorporate growth charts mm-hmm. so and so weight is always measured in kilograms per meter square so your weight is divided by your height in meter square and so if you're under 18.5 you're considered underweight. Between 18.5 to 24.9, you're considered normal weight. Between 25 to 29.9, you're considered overweight. Over 30 kilograms per meter squared, you're considered obese. Wow. So that is one of the measures that is used to determine what we call a normal body weight and that's taken into account of height right and then there's another calculation that we use and one method which is called the Hamby equation takes into account your frame size okay so somebody has 130 pounds if they have a small frame size that might be okay but if they have a large frame size they could be underweight this particular calculation gives you one figure but if it's used correctly by a healthcare professional it can also determine your risk because we normally do it as a percentage so you look at your weight as a percentage of your ideal body weight when it comes to ideal weight what you're saying you're saying two things you're saying there's no set ideal weight for everyone it all depends on your weight to height ratio or even looking at your frame size right but i i hear people say a lot that oh you know when i was 18 i was 120 pounds and so that's my goal and these people are 30 right now and so it makes sense what you're saying yeah it absolutely makes sense what you're saying that you don't just pick a number and say oh this was what I was when I was 25 and this is my favorite weight and that's what I want to be right now no you have to take into account other metrics so that that makes that makes sense please go ahead so yeah that was basically um the measure so when they're used correctly then we can determine I remember this ideal weight the reason for it is to determine your your risk status and that's the reason why we pay so much attention mm. to these things mm. but we cannot outside of height right and and something i want to also point out here is that even though you said that let's say between 18.5 to 24.9 is considered normal right even though you said that that's what's considered normal some people feel like the skinnier they are the healthier they are but what you're saying now is that this is not necessarily true because you could be skinny but your risk factor for you know developing a disease 
could be high, right? Yes. Yes. Well, the 18.5 is underweight, which is you at risk for undernutrition if you get it where it comes from. So mm. you have you have ends of the spectrum. Right, <laughs> right. Because I always try to tell my clients to always think about, you know, why, why are we so concerned with weight? Mm. We want you to be healthy. Mm-hmm. We get so fixated over the number on the scale. But that's, that's just the indicator of what is going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now uh, another question I have is, is diet alone sufficient in managing weight? There are people who don't go to the gym, they don't exercise, they just believe that if they eat right, they will maintain a healthy lifestyle. So is diet alone sufficient in managing weight? This question will be like, seems straightforward, yes or no. But when we look at weight control, it's basically calories in versus calories out. So if we eat less calories than we burn, then obviously we will lose weight and vice versa. If we eat more than we burn, then we will gain weight. Or if we exercise more than we eat, you know, so mm-hmm. exercise and diet goes hand in hand and either of them can assist with weight loss or weight gain, depending on what you want. But however, I always say diet exercises, uh, they're couples, a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we should divorce them. They all help in maintaining a healthy, a healthy body weight because exercise provides more than just weight control right um there's a little confession i have to make so <laughs> all of us have our struggles and one of my struggles is exercising on a regular basis you know i you know i'm pretty okay with the diet i realize that exercising really helps lift my mood help me to deal with the stress and pressures of life so i've been going to the gym long, I'm very proud of it so um our mood affects why we eat you know sometimes we can eat because we're depressed then when we about weight control if we are eating because we're depressed and we're eating the wrong things because when we're really depressed nobody's eating broccoli or something like that and so and if we're doing that then automatically or if you know it's excessive calories then you will see weight gain mm. and but if we use exercise and use it in moderation because we can also have you know too much exercise but exercise can help lift the mood which will prevent us from eating because we're depressed right so as I said is a couple that should not be divorced okay so yeah so when you say that it makes absolutely sense to me because early 20s i wasn't worried about calories i barely knew what calories were i was i mean i was aware of it but i wasn't really like bothered about it but i find that the older i get the more concerned i am about how much calories i'm eating how much calories i'm burning you know stuff like that and so it just goes to show that we're becoming more aware right as we go older and so we should be more responsible with the things that we do so it makes a lot a whole lot of sense now a lot of people have proposed different diets for maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Some people have gone without food. Some people have talked about diets that only incorporate liquids. Some people have talked about diets that only incorporate vegetables. What's your take on that? <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, throughout this podcast, I've always been saying it's about a healthy lifestyle. It's about a healthy lifestyle. And weight is just an indicator of. And so most of the times, these diets will give persons the desired weight loss. They will lose the 30, the 40, the 50. But as soon as they return to their normal way of eating, they gain it. And sometimes they gain even more. So if you find yourself wanting to lose weight, first thing I would advocate for you to is to get a, some sort of dietary assessment. It means seeing a dietitian, especially if you're suffering from a chronic disease such as like diabetes, hypertension, you know, anything like that. Having a dietitian on board would be 
great because what we do as professionals, we tailor make our nutrition recommendations to suit you. So it's almost like it suits your budget, your eating schedule, your cultural habits. Because right. as you know, Ozzy, you're from Nigeria, I'm mm-hmm. from Barbados, and we eat totally different. <laughs> and just imagine you um, trying to make changes using the U.S food cultures mm. then you would probably export a lot of your foods that you like so mm. you know being able to is also important let me ask you a question here let me jump in here and ask you a question so you're saying don't starve yourself and don't go creating diets for yourself based on another culture that you're not used to because you're setting yourself up to fail. So can you give us some tips, things that we can do in 2019 that will definitely help us to maintain a healthy weight, healthy lifestyle this year? Okay. So the first thing is that I want you to evaluate your eating patterns because we are all different. There are tons of resources out there. So you can even get a professional like a dietitian or you can use an app, use something like Eat Tracker, because all of us have different problems if you're recovering from. Mm-hmm. So knowing where you're falling down in is really great. Some something it can be as simple as just writing down writing down like if you have a general knowledge of nutrition, just writing down what you eat. And this gives you an indicator like, hey, I'm not eating sufficient fruits and I'm not getting enough water. So I think that um, self awareness is great. In most cases in my experience as a dietitian, we tend not to eat enough fruit and veg. Mm-hmm. And Ozzy, I know you're a scientist so you know about the importance of things that come along with eating our fruits and our um, non-starchy vegetables right so why is that incorporate them in meals and it, it doesn't have it can be simple so you're having oatmeal mm-hmm. sprinkle some blueberries on top you know mm-hmm. you're making an omelet have some spinach too you know those kind of things of incorporating more veg into your diet if you're interested in weight loss um, the general recommendation is to make half of your plate um, vegetables okay. starchy veg, and this is things like broccoli cauliflower tomatoes however i must warn you because some of us especially in the u.s we have a tendency of soaking our vegetables in dressing and your eyes dressing mm-hmm. and as if you're interested in weight loss you have to remember that that would increase calories mm-hmm. so perhaps try to use your salad without dressing or decreasing the portions of dressing that you use and then switching to whole grains drinking less soda you know drinking more water add more peas and beans to your diet so research has indicated that a plant-based diet reduces your risk for many diseases right i know not everybody's going to be vegetarian but i always tell persons if you're making a a stew like a beef stew or any type of stew you can still put peas and beans into it you know to increase the amount of fiber that you get right always use leaner portions of your meat remove the skin from the kitchen Oh, that's the tastiest part, though. But it's tasty because it's fat. Long-term goals is not something that you want, especially if you're interested in um, weight management. And then remember, it's preparation. So you can take a healthy food and make it unhealthy. Try some vegetable. Yes, it's veg, but is it better than donut? Maybe not because hmm. of the preparation that you use. So one of the basic ways of using portion control, I always tell persons, is to use your hands. And your hands are proportional to your body. So the power of your hand is generally the portion of meat that you can have. Your fist is for starches and the two cups for veg. 
Oh my goodness. You are going to have to say that super slow because I feel like that's the meat of what we're talking about today. You talked about portion control and you said half of your plate should be veggies. I'm thinking in my head, my plate and my friend's plate are different sizes. So I may be eating a, a really tiny plate and then half of that is like, okay, it looks great. But then someone else has a tray as a plate and they're like, okay, half of this tray is what I'm supposed to be eating. But using the fists, using your hands in terms of portion control. So the palm of your hands, and this time I wish it was really live to show you Ozzy. Mm. But the palm of your hand is the portion of meat that you can you can have. It is actually a good estimate because our hands are proportional to our body. So as you can imagine, a man's hand will be bigger than a female's hand, you know, that kind of stuff. So the palm of your hand for your meat, your fist is for your starches, which is like your potato, your rice, those kind of things. And then two cup hands would be your veg. Okay, so two cup hands. What do you mean by two cup hands? You're saying you're both hands, you know? Yes, both hands. Okay. And then is the thumb when it comes to, like, your peanut butter and, you know, your fat. Hmm. So those are things. In terms of the plate, we normally say average nine-inch plate. So I'm not telling you to now go and measure your plates. But average nine-inch plate, half of your plate is veg, a part of starch, and a part of lean protein. Hmm. If you're a construction worker, remember you will need a lot more than somebody who's sedentary. And so that's why I always say your hands always work well in terms of portion control. Wow, Abby, that is useful information. It's a whole lot. And now I see why they say go to a professional. Because a lot of times, this is not stuff you can just Google and find all together in one place because you know there's so many things that go into it they have to you have to consider your bmi body mass index you have to consider your frame your weight to your height your occupation you know and so if you just went online and you just read someone else's post on there about what's helping them that's fine that's what's helping them but you need to find something that actually works for you and you need to go to the professionals and so i really appreciate your profession more now because i can see that this is not information that you just get by signing up to a master class sometimes you just need to get that information from professional and so thank you so much i really appreciate this the last thing i want to say is when it comes to weight management mm. is that i want persons to be patient weight wasn't gained in a day it wouldn't be lost in a night mm. and weight loss should be gradual and sometimes the weight loss journey for persons can can be very frustrating and i know this because i've dealt with lots of clients with all different ranges of weight and especially frustrating if you don't get the results that you want but just be patient sometimes sit and see where you've come from. And so, so I just sit and reflect. For instance, if you were accustomed to drinking soda every single day, and now you're not drinking soda, hmm. yes, you may not lost the 50 pounds that you, you wanted to lose. But the mere fact that you have broken that habit, that is a big win. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, celebrate the little wins. And what I find most of the time is that when you're able to celebrate those little wins, when you stop beating up on yourself so much, then you then it becomes a lot easier in this weight loss journey. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I want to say is to be honest with your healthcare professional, especially if you're seeing you want. You know, they want us to be proud of them. And, and I'm like, you know, and you, you, you may not always tell the truth or tell a little like white light. No, because nutrition is a science. As you know, it's something that, you know, these methods, most of the time, they're not things that have been pulled out of a hat. They're evidence-based. And so the majority of things, we know they will work. And if they don't work, then there's something else that's preventing them from working. If mm -hmm. you tell us, you know what, 
something as simple as I had a loss in my family and I'm now emotionally eaten. Then we're able to help you or get help for the particular resources. Because what happens in life impacts how we eat. Therefore, if you're honest with your healthcare professional, if you need help with something, you know, I am a big advocate for mental health. If you need to go and see a therapist to help you to deal with something that is impacting your eating, then we need to deal with that so that you can get help. Right. So don't beat up yourself and be patient and be honest. It will happen. Thank you so much, Abby. I really appreciate this. This is so much wealth of knowledge and I appreciate that you took on time to just give us a look down on what to do in 2019, how to go about it. So I'm going to ask you a few questions about, I know you're getting your PhD. I'm super proud of you, Abby. Can you tell me what the focus of your PhD is? I'm doing a PhD in nutrition. Okay. I haven't chosen a topic as yet, but I think based on this podcast, it won't be surprised if I do something related with obesity because that is my passion. When I was doing my master's here, it was not a passion of mine. In fact, I didn't do courses dealing with obesity, but having to deal with the epidemic that we have mm. in these special families, I think there's a lot more that needs to be done in terms of nutrition related research. So. Wow. That's 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 profound. I, I feel like whatever you choose to do, I think you'll do awesome and amazing. I think you're that great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much abby for coming on the podcast to talk about ways that we can manage our weight in 2019 you said that above all of these things we need to be patient you need to understand that weight loss is gradual you didn't gain the weight in one day you're definitely not going to lose it in one day and to celebrate the wins the little wins you know when you lose that one pound when you you know you celebrate that because that's a milestone, you know? And also you said, be honest with your healthcare professionals. Don't go there and lie and say, you know, they're like, okay, so what are you eating? And you go and say, oh, I eat only vegetables. But they can see that you clearly don't eat only vegetables. So you're saying, be honest with your healthcare professionals. Uh, something I like to add is, you're basically what you eat, you know? If you put good food in your body, your body's going to function well. You know, imagine that you have a new, brand new car and you're taking good care of it. It's going to work well for you. But if you stop maintaining that car, you're going to have a lot of problems. And imagine Imagine that your body is that car. And so if you start feeding yourself junk, you start feeding yourself things that don't help you maintain that healthy lifestyle, you're going to get the results of that. Remember that you can always talk to a healthcare professional, especially a dietitian, a registered dietitian, if you need help with all of this. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And if you have questions for Abby, you can reach us on our Instagram page, African Princess in America, or you can go on our website, talesofanafricanprincessinamerica.com. And just leave a message if you want to get in touch with Abby and you have questions for her, or you have things that you're worried about and you'd really like her to address them, you can reach us by email, talesbydrozzy at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us today and have an awesome rest of the week. Thanks, Abby. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs>